How many times has someone told you that the keys to getting brand partnerships as a creator are something like sending out as many pitch emails as you can or making sure you have the perfect media kit to send to brands? There are so many quote unquote rules about how we should be handling brand deals that we hear as creators. And when you're starting out, it can feel overwhelming. Like there's only one way to do things and that's the way you have to do it to be successful. There are a few common rules that I see so many creators feeling like they have to follow because they're hoping to land more brand deals. So they're spending countless hours sending as many cold pitches as they can and feeling discouraged when they get very few responses, if any at all, and even less real leads from those pitches. Or maybe they're missing out on partnerships because they don't think that they can stray from the set rates and packages that they've made. Let's dive into some of the rules for brand partnerships that we need to stop following as creators. I'm Kristen Buscan. I've been a full-time creator for over three years and I've brought in over $350,000 from sponsored hosts and content creation collaborations with brands so far. Social Scoop is the podcast where we teach you, the entrepreneurial creator, to turn your online influence and creativity into a profitable, self-sustaining business. We're giving you the scoop on all things brand partnerships. This, my biz BFF, is Social Scoop. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 108 of Social Scoop Podcast. My name is Kristen, and as always, I'm I'm so excited that you're here today. Instagram's actually doing some fun things this week that will be really interesting for us to see how they play out. First thing being testing three to 10 minute long reels. I'm sure that when you guys saw this first happening on TikTok, when we got the ability to create a 10 minute TikTok video, which I personally have not even gotten close to. When we got this ability though, it was really crazy to see because this is typically a platform that is, you know, all about short form content content. 10 minutes to me doesn't feel like short form at all. And I knew that when this came out, I'm like, okay, Instagram's obviously going to do their version of this. It's kind of interesting though, because Instagram technically had the ability to create videos up to 60 minutes. If you guys remember IGTV and Then they went back to the short form and now we are back to long form or what I would consider long form content with potentially three to 10 minute long reels. We talked about this last week, but I think this is gonna be pretty big. I wanted to share it with you again. Instagram is testing a new way to share comments from any public post or reel to your story. So if you see a comment, you can swipe left on that comment and there's gonna be an option to share it in your story. The comment will basically be like a sticker. you can place it anywhere in the frame. But I think this is going to be a really cool way to connect people from your stories to your posts. Because I think for a lot of us, there's a pretty big disconnect from the people that are watching our stories and the people that are like constantly on our posts. Um, I love the idea of being able to connect those people and hopefully bring people from stories over to posts and vice versa more often. Obviously, you guys have your opinions on threads at this point. I personally have not open the app in a couple of weeks. And I'm so sad about it, I have to say, because when it first came out, I felt like we all were like, oh my gosh, this is the breath of fresh air that we need. Like we were feeling so good. And I still really love the concept. I just don't find myself opening the app. Like I just, I don't, and I don't know why I wish I did, but they are actually continuing to release new features, obviously in hopes, I'm sure that more people will get back on it. Threads is testing key 
keyword search in just a couple of countries in Australia and New Zealand. And if it goes well, they plan to expand to other English-speaking countries like the U.S. while testing it in other languages as well. So this is something that Adam Masseri shared on IG Stories, but this could be something that would maybe help us use the app a little bit more often. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? Are you still using threads? Are you wanting to, but you don't find yourself going there? I would love to hear what you guys are thinking about threads so far. I have to say, I'm so excited for this episode. I feel like I could do five parts of this episode. So after you listen, let me know if you want me to do a part two, because I think I have like a giant list that I could continue to share here of these brand partnership, quote unquote, rules that so many of you guys have been taught that I was previously taught that I just, after seeing what I've seen in the industry, just don't think are true. So I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode and I will see you guys next week. As a content creator or an influencer, I'm sure that if you're working with brands, you probably know that there are so many of these rules that we feel like we're required to follow in order to be successful when it comes to working with brands. And today I'm here to tell you that so many of these rules were made up things that we've seen on the internet that are just straight up not true. I want to debunk three of the things that I think you're being told with brand partnerships that I just think you need to start changing your mindset on. First thing I have a really big issue with that I've heard so much from content creator coaches or influencer coaches out on the internet is that you need to be pitching as many brands as possible. I remember not too long ago, I had an email that I was subscribed to and I opened this newsletter and basically in the newsletter, it was this whole teaching all about how they wanted you to be pitching a hundred brands per month. And my first thought was, I don't even know that I have a hundred brands that I can think of that would genuinely be a good fit for me. And that's what they want you to do in one month. So what are you going to do the next month? (laughs) You have to think of another hundred brands to be pitching to. In my opinion, I think this is just way too many brands. And I don't think it's personally the right strategy when it comes to creating really long lasting relationships with brands. Because here's the thing, when you work with a brand, wouldn't you rather have a brand that you have a really great connection with, your audience absolutely loves seeing in your feed, you love creating content for, and you just continue to work with this brand time and time again. That to me is a high quality partnership. And that's what I strive for when I'm working with brands. On the other end, there is this idea of, okay, well, I could do a ton of one-off partnerships with just a larger number of brands. And I think that's where this strategy comes from of let's pitch to 100 brands in a month because they want you to just get a bunch of brands that will pay you, get your partnerships, and then next month do the same thing over and over again. But my approach to pitching is actually very different. If you've ever been on any of my TikTok lives or you've seen any of my Instagram posts where I talk about pitching, you've probably heard of a method that I created in 2022 called the anti-pitch method. And this was not actually something that I was actively trying to create. It kind of just happened. And I was like, wow, I'm really on to something here. I think I should continue to explore this. So 
in the year of 2022, beginning of 2022, I really realized that I was just sick of pitching. <laughs> like I felt like inbounds were kind of slowing down a little bit and I was trying to consistently make my income, but I was so sick of pitching because I was writing the same pitch over and over again, customizing a few lines of it. My pitch, I'm sure, looked exactly the same as every other person who was pitching to these brands. And I was just not finding a lot of success. I was finding that I was pitching to a lot of brands. I would maybe get a response from a handful of them. And then of the ones that I got a response, response from, there was a very small number of them that actually turned into paid partnerships. And of the ones that turned into paid partnerships, if any, whenever I was pitching that month, of those, almost none of them turned into partnerships that were consistent. You know, like I was getting multiple jobs from that one brand. And this is when I started to kind of shift my mindset about pitching. Because what I thought was, all right, if I connect with my audience, like my audience, my followers want a relationship with me where they know they're valued. They want to like send a DM and know that I'm going to answer. Like they want to build personal connections with me. Like, right. That's the creators that we all know and love on Instagram or on TikTok. Like we just want to feel valued as a follower. And I started to kind of apply this thought process to pitching. You know, I'm like, if we are sending just this massive amount of copy and paste pitches to brands, of course, they're not going to answer. They feel like they're literally like bottom of the barrel. That does not feel like you're special. It honestly sometimes comes off as kind of aggressive when you're pitching. And so I wanted to change my mindset around pitching to really make the person that I'm pitching to feel valued. Like it is a human on the other side. And I think we sometimes forget that. So I started to think, how can I build actual relationships with the people who are at these brands? Because if I can do that, if they can get to know my personality and we can become like kind of friends, wouldn't you think that they're going to just consistently want to hire me because they like working with me. They like me as a person. They like the work that I create. That's the kind of relationship that I want with brands. So what I did was I stopped sending cold pitches. 2022, I did not send a cold pitch. Okay. I was like, we're just not doing that this year. And what I did instead was I started to use LinkedIn and use Twitter. And I would just start relationships, start networking with all of the people that worked at the brands that I wanted to be working with. And some of them right away. It was like, we need to get on a call. Like, this is amazing. This would be a great partnership turned into a partnership. And those are some of the brands that I still work with a year, a year and a half later here in 2023. Some of those took maybe six months before they turned into a partnership. Some of them never turned into a partnership, but they're people that have been on my podcast. There are people who are in my network now who in the future, if a campaign comes up that I'd be a good fit for, they're probably going to reach out to me. So the idea behind the anti-pitch method is quality over quantity, build genuine relationships, expand your network, and let the brands come to you when there's a partnership that you're a good fit for versus you having to go out there and like, you know, fight, like throw bows at other creators in the email pitches because we're all sending the same pitch. We're just not doing that anymore. Okay. In 2023, Let's just finish the year off. Can we not pitch and just see how it goes?
The second thing that I really think is so important for you to just let go of as one of these brand partnership rules is maybe really surprising, but I don't think that you should have set rates for your content. I think the idea of a rate card is just so incredibly difficult to put together because I'm sure if you've worked with multiple brands at this point, you know that every ask from a brand partner for a certain campaign is going to be different. For example, you may have a brand that reaches out to you and says, we want you to do one Instagram reel where you're doing a talking head video, talking straight to your camera. And you're like, no problem. Super easy. I can do that in my sleep. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you may have a brand who reaches out to you and wants something that is super, super in depth, right? Like they want you to like go out, buy all this stuff as props. You're going to put together a whole set. We need a reel that looks like this and every frame is set out for you. And that's something that's like way more of an in-depth project. It's going to take a lot more time and energy and money from you. So at that point, your rate's going to be completely different, even though the deliverable for both of those projects might be one reel. So how can you confidently say, my rate for one reel is $1,000? Because personally, I would like to make a lot more money on something that is going to be a really high-level production that takes, again, a lot of my time, energy, money. So having starting rates on your rate card, I think, is fine. But Sometimes it can even be a little misleading, right? Because if I'm a brand who sees $1,000 for a reel on your rate card and you're you know, telling me as your quote that it's going to be 2.5K for a reel, I'm looking at that $1,000 on your rate card going, whoa, 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 I'm a little confused here. Okay. So personally... Yes, I think having a rate card with with starting rates is necessary because brands are going to ask for it. But I would make sure on that rate card, it says these rates are subject to change. Um, and these rates are just starting rates. Each project will be priced individually. So that is one thing for your for your rate card. But outside of your rate card, I think that when a brand asks you for what are your rates for this project? You need to gather all of the information necessary to make that quote. You need to be able to say, what are the usage terms that you're asking for? What's the exclusivity? Um, are you looking for X, Y, and Z production? Like what type of video are you looking for? Are there specific props that I need to purchase? I mean, there are so many questions, so much information that you need to gather in order to be able to give an accurate quote. So moral of the story, get your starting rates in place, but don't be surprised if these starting rates literally don't match what you end up making at the end of the day. Could be super high in comparison, but on the other end, it could actually be lower than what's in your rate. I mean, most of the time, again, if you've done brand partnerships, you know this, it's almost impossible to get through negotiations for a campaign without negotiating. You know, like when you're going back and forth, you're almost always going to end up negotiating. So when you have that starting rate on your rate card, keep that in mind. You're not putting $1,000 in your pocket most of the time. A brand's probably going to, you know, negotiate back and forth with you to $800 or $700. So pad your rates in your rate card if you need to, so that the number that you can hopefully land on, maybe that seven or $800 is your minimum is what you're comfortable with and is what you want to 
you know, put into your bank account at the end of the day. The third brand partnership rule that I just don't think you need to follow is sending your media kit with all of your pitches. If you are going to be pitching, which again, I, as you heard in number one, don't even think is really worth your time. I don't think you need to be sending a media kit. One thing that I've seen especially all over TikTok, is that so many creators are so concerned about their media kit. Oh my gosh, like, does my media kit look good? Or, oh my gosh, I have to create my media kit, like, or I can't start. Your media kit, I think, is necessary for you to have because there may be brands who ask for it. But a majority of the information that's going to be on your media kit is information that the brand can get from your page. It's not something that you need to send with your pitches. One of the reasons for that is because when you send an attachment in an email to someone who's never emailed with you, that may cause your email to go right to spam. So if you are sending any sort of pitch, not even just a brand partnership pitch, maybe you want to work as a social media manager, or maybe you want to create you know, UGC content for the brand, whatever it is, your media kit does not need to be attached to that email. If you want them to be able to have access to it, you could share a link version of it or in maybe your signature, maybe you have a link to your media kit for for ease, but I don't think you should be attaching it to your emails for that first logistical reason. But outside of that, your media kit can sometimes tell more than you need to say, and it can actually do a little bit more damage than it can good at some points. The thing with media kits is a lot of creators feel like they have to put so much information on this media kit. And there may be some situations where having that information readily available by the brand may actually deter them from wanting to work with you. So for example, if you're based in, I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. So let's call it Charlotte. You're based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and you have a brand that is, you know, like all over the the Southeast that wants to work with you. They're probably reaching out to you because they're like, oh, she lives in Charlotte. Like, of course her top city is probably Charlotte. But what if your top city is New York City, but then you also have like some Southeast, you know, like you still have the audience that they're looking for, but maybe it's not your main audience. That's something that may deter a brand from working with you. And so sometimes with these media kits, they can do more harm than good. So personally, I have one. I have actually two versions of mine. One is a version that has my media kit with a rate card with my starting rates. And then one is just my media kit. And I more use my media kit actually to show the versatility of what it's like working with me. So I say like, yeah, here's my channels. Here are other brands that I've worked with. But then I also say, these are cool ways that we can work together that are like outside the norm. I have a podcast. I have a membership group. I have a newsletter. Like, And I'll tell some things about those different channels. But I almost use it as like a, here's all the versatility you can get rather than a, here's like all the information that I could possibly give you from all my stats. And like, here's my social security number, basically. (laughs) So with media kits, yes, I do think that you should have one. Don't feel like it's an end all be all. If you're just getting started and do not have a media kit yet, you can create it as you go. 
maybe brands are going to ask for it. But media kits are not as needed and necessary as you may think based off of what you see on the internet. As I said in the beginning of this episode, there are so many brand partnership rules that I know you guys feel like you have to follow. And so I would love to do a part two to this episode. If you really liked it, let me know in the comments, send me a DM. I would love to create a part two for you guys if you want to see it. So if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple or one of your other podcast platforms, leave us a review, hopefully five stars, and let us know what you think of this episode. I will see you guys next week and have a great week. Thank you.